from the Freedom HealthWorks Network. This is Healthcare Americana. This week's show features Adam Habig, co-founder and president of Freedom HealthWorks. The three things that that seem to emerge as the the measuring sticks for American healthcare: quality, affordability, and access. We hear these things again and again and again. And I think it's very cynical that that a lot of times the pundits say, pick two of the three because you can't have them all. You, you cannot have, they say, high quality health care that is affordable and widely accessible. They say pick two. No, refuse. Sorry. We're going to have all three. And the point is it's very possible and it's happening today. And now, here's your healthcare Americana host, Christopher Habig. Hello, and thanks for listening to Healthcare Americana. I'm your host, Christopher Habig, and we wanted to talk about, on the inaugural episode here, of what Healthcare Americana really brings to the table and why we're doing this. Today, I'm joined by my brother and co-founder within our company, Freedom HealthWorks, uh, Adam Habig, and obviously, we've known each other for a very, very long time. We've been lucky enough to be business partners uh, for most of that time, um, and so we've been in Freedom HealthWorks for a few years. And so I asked Adam to come on for the very first episode to give a better baseline of exactly what Freedom HealthWorks is and what we're trying to do within the grandiose, complicated healthcare industry. And so Adam's insights are going to be valuable there. But first, I wanted to explain a little bit more about what we're going to be doing on this podcast, what can you can expect from us in the future, and who you're going to be listening to. Um, we wanted to take the tact that this is going to be more interview style. So we want to hear from listeners just like yourself. Everybody has some type of a healthcare story, whether you've been a patient, whether you're a physician. And usually it's a story that is sad, for lack of a better term. Um, so we want to be able to get these stories out there and then talk about how Interactions with the status quo in the healthcare world just aren't going to cut it anymore. And some of the cool things that are happening within the industry so that we can continue to emphasize health care and make it known that health insurance does not equal health care. There's other options out there for anybody and everybody all over the country. So with that said, I'd like to introduce Adam Habig, co-founder and president of Freedom HealthWorks. Hello, great intro, Chris. You've set the bar very high, so it's an honor and a privilege to be here today on the inaugural episode of Healthcare Americana. Well, we only we only set the bar high. That's, <laughs> that's all we do in anything and everything we've ever done, uh, especially together. So we can we can jump right into it, um, save some housekeeping items towards the towards the end of this. But what I wanted to do was tell our story uh, from you and I. Um, we had the privilege of growing up in a great family, but both of our parents are physicians. So we experienced health care in a totally different manner than anybody else out there. We did. You're exactly right. And I remember we couldn't fake sick days. No, no. With the school nurse? With the school you kidding me? No. We would spend, you know, half the time if we were sick, we'd just be spending the day in the school nurse's office. <laughs> it's like, dad, my eyes are bleeding out of my head. And you'd say, well... Have the nurse call me. <laughs> I think we got we got we got worse care. We got less attention in terms of healthcare growing up that like, way. But but that's not the point you're making. I get that. Yeah. yeah. No, it was always the it was the rub uh, some dirt in it and get better. Rub right? some dirt. Take yeah. an aspirin. Call me in the morning. I'm like, well, your your bedroom's right down the hall from my. What am I supposed to do? I know. <laughs> 
we couldn't exactly go into the office. We, I actually remember going to college, and I didn't know how to go out and purchase care. And you wouldn't be alone today. That's a great segue into what we're doing. Exactly. Um, but to, to your point, there is a, a difference when you grow up with doctors in the family. Anyone that has uh, a physician as a parent or even an aunt or uncle or, or a sibling, they know that it's, it's very different when you've got um, high-quality health care on demand when you need it. And I would say the majority of the population, though, are just like you going away to college. They have no idea how to get health care, where to purchase it, how to find a fair price, mm-hmm. how to judge the quality of what they're getting. Healthcare is a mess. That's, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, and right there, you just mentioned a lot of buzzwords. What does quality actually mean? What does is, what is delivery mean? What does access mean? And we hear those terms a lot through the normal course of our business within Freedom HealthWorks. Um, just for anybody new out there, so Freedom HealthWorks, what we do is we're very active in the drug primary care space. Um, other than trying to revolutionize healthcare and how and how people buy it and how companies buy it and how benefit systems work. Um, on the core of it is we're big believers in what some call free market medicine, what some call membership medicine. It's basically a person joins a physician's practice for about the price of a gym membership. And that's about the simplest way you could possibly put it. And those, those membership benefits come with complete almost 24-7 access to a physician. Email, phone call, texting, you can walk into the office a lot of times, depending on what your doctor is. But um, that's that's true access to us as we start to take down some of those buzzwords. Yeah. And to tie it back to the equivalence of having a physician in the family, it's as close as most of us will ever come. Most of the general public that didn't grow up like we did mm-hmm. with, with parents down the hallway uh, that are doctors, it's the closest you'll come to having that experience, to having a, a physician that knows you, your personal physician on demand, uh, anytime you need it. And again, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but again, we're going to set the stage first. But that in a nutshell is is why Freedom Health Works came to exist, why we got into the space. Um, it's not that, that uh, well, you have you have a clinical background in some extent to your training in college, uh, but <laughs> I certainly don't. Uh, I'm from a different different universe, right? But um, Pre-med in college doesn't really count, but I, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> it's better than finance and law, right? But, um, you know, the, the lesson here is, is we looked at the healthcare system and, and, and I would, would challenge anyone listening to tell us that, that the health, healthcare system today is wonderful. Whether you're a doctor, whether you're a patient, whether you're a, uh, caring for an elderly, uh, relative, everybody's got a gripe today about healthcare. And so when we say, you know, why did we look at, at direct primary care as, an avenue to to help fix that system. First, we have to deconstruct what's wrong with the system, the system in quotes. So where do you start there? (laughs) Well, start unpacking that one, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's when you compare some of the, um, some of the innovations today that have emerged in other industries and that have revolutionized those industries, you're talking about, you know, the Ubers and the Lyfts and, and personal transportation, the Airbnbs. What are you really seeing? What is Uber? Uber's a 21st century hitchhiking app, right? It's an historical innovation. Airbnb, Airbnb is boarding houses for the 21st century. These are things that were once very popular, very effective, very cost effective for the general population. And that have been repackaged in certain ways that they've reemerged as very popular alternatives to the status quo. 
Direct primary care is no different than that. This is a an historical innovation when you think about the way that healthcare used to be delivered. When everyone had a personal doctor, usually in their small town, that knew them intimately, knew their family, they grew up with them, they didn't have to fight their way through different layers of bureaucracy. And I got to call the insurance company and I got to I gotta get 16 people to sign off on this when my doctor knows it's right for me and I know it's right for me. All the things that drive people nuts about healthcare today and that drive the cost absolutely through the ceiling uh, and that drive a lot of doctors, unfortunately, and we know personally we have experience with this, we drive a lot of doctors out of practice. Good doctors, mm-hmm. the doctors we need, uh, are being chased out. The most experienced. The most seasoned, the ones who who have the ability to take a look at you. And this is, this is an example, real life, of having a doctor in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but personal example, um, a situation where our own mother took a look at our grandmother mm-hmm. on a Sunday night at dinner and said something is not right. And she was in her 80s and she was in great health uh, up until then, but she knew from her 30-plus years of practice as an internist Something was off. Had and her in the office. Her, and knowing that person. And knowing her very very well. Had her in the office the next day on Monday, found that she had a, a Coumadin uh, dosage problem. And she was essentially had some, some potentially life-threatening bleeding internally. Mm-hmm. No symptoms other than you don't look right because I know you and I know how you should look. She was a little pale, I believe, is what, yeah. it, what it looked like. So yeah. that's almost the holy grail. Again, go back and use that word. That If a doctor knows you well enough, they can look at you. And say, hey, something's not right. Let's 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 run some things. Let's see you in the office tomorrow. That's quality. You that's asked care. That's the real. That's, it. that's the actual definition. And you know, something cool that you had talked about was the reemergence of old time trends, old time services. You mentioned uh, boarding houses and hitchhiking uh, as modern day interpretations of some of the most successful, well known companies out there. Trek Primary Care, and by extension. Um, the reason why we named this podcast Healthcare Americana, you know, we've always said that this is the Norman Rockwell of medicine. It's returning back to physicians able to do house calls. Is physicians able to actually pick up the phone and talk to somebody? And when we tell prospective patients that, hey, you'll actually call in the office and be able to talk to a physician, they can't believe it. You'll be able to get in. And I don't mean three weeks from now when you need help today, but you'll be able to get in. You'll be able to get access. The three things that, that seem to emerge as the, the measuring sticks for American healthcare, quality, affordability, and access. We hear these things again and again and again. And I think it's very cynical that, that a lot of times the pundits say, pick two of the three because you can't have them all. You, you cannot have, they say, high-quality healthcare that is affordable and widely accessible. They say, pick two. No, refuse. Sorry, healthcare Americana. I want all three. We're going to have all three, and the point is, it's very possible, and it's happening today. And I think if you go back to, you know, our story in the space, when when we started looking at what was working in healthcare, there's God, there's always innovation occurring. It's a great thing about our economy, uh, no matter how dire or how monolithic an industry looks. There's always innovation occurring around the edges, green shoots of of, of creativity creeping into the space. And in this case, when you and I decided we were going to take a run at this this space, and, and we identified a, a need among, really, physicians at the beginning mm-hmm. for an alternative. Uh, we looked and we saw, we saw that there was this, this grassroots movement occurring uh, among physicians and patients who had said, enough's enough. I don't need to fight my way through layers and layers of insurance red tape to get the care I need. Right. I don't need to, 
to pay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars just to go in and see a doctor and have a routine office visit. There's no reason for this. And there were these practices that had organically sprung up, and they were delivering all three of those promises, high-quality health care that was very affordable and that was widely accessible. In fact, more accessible than anything we've probably seen in our lifetime, uh, notwithstanding having a, a, parent, a parent that's a physician. And the physician seemed a lot happier, too. Didn't they? Unbelievable. Some of those early conversations were just fun. Each one of them have their own little quirks. Some of them didn't know what payroll taxes were, but they were doing it for all the right reasons. And that reason always revolved around taking care of people. The way that they know how, the way that they were trained how, and the way that they couldn't do it in any type of a employment system that is prevalent even today. So let's go, let's, let's, Talk a little bit more, and you started to mention this when we, when we, you and I got into direct primary care, because there was a pretty powerful story there. Again, it's a personal story, which it is. We're always happy to share that. But I remember when our parents took us out to dinner and said, and "This is probably three, four years ago." Said, "We're done, guys. Bad news. Yeah, we're done." And uh, I believe our sister was there, who was active, very active in, in helping get us get free health off the ground, too, in the beginning. And we said, why? Why are you hanging it up now? I mean, our dad was the first, first family physician in, uh, in Westfield, Indiana. Hamilton County, right? And it, well, could have been. No, I think it was actually Westfield, you're right. Okay, it could have been Westfield. We'll tell people it's <laughs> He's Hamilton County. He's not that old. We won't give him that kind of credit. <laughs> but we said, you know, Dad, you, you could have run for mayor by now. You're beloved by the school. You've gotten citizen of the year, this town. Why, why are you hanging it up now? You are in the prime of your career. Think of all the decades of experience and decades of relationship. You've taken care of families. You've seen kids grow up to have their own families, and you've taken care of them. Why now? It wasn't that the fire's gone out. Nope. Fire in the belly still there. No. Nope. To, to see patients, to heal people. Too many headaches. Too many headaches. I go home every single day and I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm surprised that, it, you know, this is him speaking. I, I'm shocked that I've seen 35 patients today. And you could tell it was wearing on him. Yeah. He's like, I'm not getting any younger. Done with it. I'm just going to shutter my business. And we said, what about all your patients? Well, they're not even my patients. They're owned by my network. I said, what? How is that even possible? How did medicine and primary care in particular, because we look at primary care as kind of the base layer of the pyramid, how did it descend into this almost indentured servant type of a status? Yeah. And that could be a fun topic to talk about. I think that's another point. podcast, right? Only more time for that. But yeah, it wasn't. It was, it, was, it, was, it was shocking and it was sad. And I think it was alarming from the standpoint of, uh, objectively speaking, our parents are phenomenal physicians. They they are they are among the best, and that's that's in terms of recognition uh, beyond my bias. But if physicians like that are bailing out, and they're nowhere near the end of what their natural career would be, what does it tell you about the industry? What, what if that were the case in in other industries where the most highly trained professionals were heading for the exits early? That tells you something's broken. That tells you something's terribly broken. And I think to continue that story, we said, look, we've heard you many times bemoan the fact that healthcare has become something other than what it was when you started practice back in the 70s, uh, when it was more personal and it was more patient to doctor, direct relationship. The stories our mother used to tell about, hey, if a patient's a little bit short, 
in terms of coming up with the, the, the <laughs> fee needed for the day. You know, I'll bring you uh, an apple pie or a load of firewood or something. I mean, those are things that... Case of beer. There's your Norman Rockwell right there. That was happening as, as recently as the 70s and 80s before networks took over. And, of course, that was outlawed. Can't leave a pen behind now if you're uh, oh anybody goodness. in a physician's office. But to see, you know, the havoc and, and the devastation that this system and all its permutations wrought on the professionals who are at the core of our healthcare system. And I, we always say this, this, when you look at healthcare, it's the, it, people think of this giant juggernaut, this, this massive, uh, inflexible being up there that it's like the medical industrial web. complex, right? That Eisenhower would talk about, right? <laughs> and it's, it, but it's not that, that all healthcare, all value in healthcare is created or destroyed at one place. And that is at the bedside in the exam room between two people, physician and patient. Everybody else is superfluous. They really are. All the administrators, all the bureaucrats, everybody that tries to get into that relationship in some way is, is a drag, is increasing the cost of those, those two parties interacting. And so to kind of bring this thing full circle, when we were kind of hit over the head with, wow, here are two great doctors that happen to be very close to us quitting. Mm-hmm. What's driving that, number one? And number two, what about all those times they talked about one of these days, I'm going to hang a shingle, I'm going to tell insurance, Medicare, and everybody else, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm hopping off your hamster wheel, tired of shuffling your paperwork and being a, being a data clerk for you. I want to go back to treating patients, caring for my patients. What about all the times they talked about just hanging a shingle and doing that? Mm-hmm. And they'd have happier patients, they'd be happier, better practice. You and I said, remember that? Why, Why not? not? Why don't you? What is stopping you? Do it. Go and do it. You know, our, our history um, working together has been building businesses and, and taking ideas and concepts all the way from the imagination stage through to something concrete. And we thought, well, this is silly. Mm-hmm. Why not take a look at, at, at what we could do to fix the problems in this? And there we found this grassroots movement called direct care or our version, direct primary care at the primary care level. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, there was a lot of confusion of the name of it. Was it concierge care? Was it direct care? Was it direct patient care? Was it direct pay care? Was it direct primary care? A lot of the gravitation towards DPC, um, obviously concierge still exists, but it, it's kind of interesting because the past couple of years or so, those two models have split where concierge medicine is defined as the extra fee is on top of it to have access to your physician, but you still bill your medical insurance. So we said, okay, that's that's a step in the right direction, but that's not where we want to go to actually fix something. We want to enable physicians to be the agents of change is what I tell a lot of people. So taking our skill sets and saying, hey, doc, we are going to help you. We're going to hold your hand through the entire business startup launch growth phases of your new practice. And the good news is that to be successful in this, all you have to do is just take care of your people. Yeah. It's almost like patients become people again. They're not just a chart. They're just not numbers. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that a fifth of our nation's economy is based on the interaction between two people. And that interaction most of the time is even five to seven minutes. Yeah. How does that much value come out of five to seven minutes and yet physicians aren't the ones being completely compensated 
And why are they the ones being driven out of the system like this? Yeah. Well, because, and to answer the question, it is healthcare, one-fifth or even potentially more by this point of our economy. And if you look at where those dollars go, I think by latest count, five cents, five percent of that actually makes its way to the doctor's pocket. Yeah. Five cents on that dollar. Where's the, where's the other 95 cents going to go? Well, what's been the growth in administration yeah. costs thousands the past Thousands of percent. Almost like 2,000 percent population growth. is, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, the, but again, the, the idea that there is a better way out there, and I think what was interesting to me when we first started out down this road was when you'd interview a physician and say, describe your day perfect. What's it look like? And they would paint this picture of a very unrushed, uh, very... Quality-focused day with their patients, where the, each patient took as long as they needed. Any patient who needed to get in could get in. They were not slamming people through like a cattle drive all day long. Thirty-five, forty patients just just checking a box, fumbling through through reams and reams of paperwork and, and computer systems that didn't work and slowed them down. Mm-hmm. They said, "Ditch all of that. I want to go back to just treating for patients." They come in. I look them in the eye. I'm not monkeying around with a computer over here on the side. I'm not filling out. You know, filling in boxes on a chart. I'm not picking up the phone talking to insurance companies. I'm treating my patient. That's my day perfect. Mm-hmm. And then, then we started interviewing patients, consumers, just like us, and we we could empathize. Describe your perfect uh, episode of healthcare. Describe your perfect situation when when healthcare is is idealized. And they say, "Gee, it's when I can get a hold of my doctor whenever I need to, when I can get in to see him whenever I need to." where I know exactly what I'm going to be paying up front before, Ooh, this is a novel concept, before prices. I actually consume the service, I know exactly what I'm going to pay. Shocking, yeah. And I don't have any headaches, hassles otherwise in terms of, of trying to secure what I need. I mean, there's a reason, before I get there, how interesting that those two visions were absolutely complementary. From the patient's and the physician's side, both said the exact same thing. They painted the picture the same day perfect. It's like something was standing in between them. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Hmm. wonder what that could be. Interesting. I, it, it, when we saw that, we said, okay, there's something here. If we can remove whatever it is that's getting in the way of that day perfect, maybe we have something. Maybe we can actually create alternatives for people in this country, both physicians and patients. Mm-hmm. that are sick and tired of the, of the system we have today. Yeah, so that leads us to you know, a main topic of conversation we wanted to really have within Healthcare Americana is, and this is something I mentioned earlier, that health insurance does not equal healthcare. But what does healthcare really mean? And we talked about the access on it. It talks about, and we talked about some different aspects of it, but truly it is a relationship with a trusted physician. And for whatever reason, modern society has basically commoditized doctors. And these are some of the most educated members of our community, the most exemplary um, type of people who are only in medicine and healthcare so that they can help their fellow man or woman or child. They're not in it for the money. They're not in it for the recognition. They're putting a significant amount of their lives into school. It's not cheap. It's expensive. But they're doing this. They're investing in themselves, in their communities, to be able to care for other people. It's a completely altruistic. And so medicine is always a calling. It's never a career. I've never talked to a physician who's like, oh, I want to do this. I'm going to go get rich doing this. They don't, they're not doctors for very long. 
But what is scary is the people who are called to medicine, those are the people starting to suffer now too and exit medicine. Now, still a very good career, not going to put anything past that. But when the most talented physicians leave, when that experience goes, it's almost like an Atlas Shrugged rewrite of all of our experienced physicians leave. Who's there to help take care of us? You're looking into your crystal ball, and the answer is not sure, because that's exactly where I was going with that. If we're seeing these seasoned physicians bail out, to be very selfish for a second, who's going to be there? In 10, 20, 30, 40 years, when our generation enters a time of life when they need the best health care, when they're the most dependent, we should say, on the health care services they're going to get, mm-hmm. who's going to be there? Mm-hmm. It's that, scary. And that goes back to the story you told of our grandmother, who was in the hospital after some internal bleeding from taking the wrong medication. Yeah. And the hospitalist wanted to put her on an iron supplement. If you're in your late 90s, you're a feeble old lady. She was a gutsy gal, but feeble old lady, you're not going to have the bone marrow to be able to reproduce that much blood. And I don't fault the hospitalist for saying that. He just didn't know. He didn't have time to get to know this person. And luckily, our mother was sitting there with internist experience and said, she needs a blood transfusion. Yeah. Saved her life. Gave her a good five, six, seven years of a life extension or else she would have been she would have died and they're in that hospital. And that is health care. You ask the question, that's what it is. I mean, it's tough to def- define that, what is good health care sometimes, but when you've got a seasoned, knowledgeable physician in your back pocket that is advocating for you, looking over your shoulder, looking out for you, and I know doctors try to do that, but uh, with the patient panels and the loads today that insurance companies and that, that hospitals put on them, mm-hmm. right, to try, to try to hit their quota, it's just impossible for them to give that kind of service to individual patients. Now, that's no fault of theirs. They're completely swamped and overwhelmed. Our physicians, or I mean the ones who have exited that nonsense and now they're part of a, of a direct primary care practice, they're the ones out there doing just that. They're doing just that today. And if you look at the two things that, it's not rocket science. Like you said, it's an historical innovation that harkens back to something that existed 40, 50 years ago before health insurance really eclipsed health care. That's what we have today. The the everyone talks about uh, at at the government level, at the policy level. You know, we've got to fix health care. We're reforming health care. What they're really talking about is health insurance. This right. notion that that health care is something that can only be purchased with insurance, right? And somehow in health care, and this is another podcast. I don't mean to stray into this territory, but <laughs> somehow in health care, insurance became the currency of the realm. Whereas insurance in any power. other in yeah. any other industry, insurance is what insurance does. It, it's a financial it, tool. It's a financial backstop against economic loss. And in healthcare, it became something totally different. Mm-hmm. It became the currency by which you purchase every single aspect of care. And lo and behold, we've got the system we had today. I mean, we ask how we got from a, a situation in the Norman Walkwell idealistic setting to what we have today. A lot of it is because the creeping influence of insurance overtook what was our healthcare system. And that's nothing against health insurers. I mean, they get beaten up all the time. They get a real black eye from uh, the public a lot of times. Um, they're doing what they're hired to do, which is to create an economic backstop against financial loss. That's all they're doing. They're looking at uh, a group of lives, and their actuaries are sharpening their pencil, and they're saying this group of lives represents X amount of dollars in potential claims, so divide that out, and here's your premium. 
And when it goes up 10, 20, 30% a year, that's because healthcare prices are going up at astronomic levels. And because the utilization based on insurance incentives is totally wrong. I know we'll get into that in a different podcast, but think <laughs> that's about a it. Deep dark hole to well, go down. We could take, we could take all day on that, right? But the point is what the question, I know this, this, this first podcast was talking about the foundational aspects of of direct primary care, how it came to be, how Freedom Health Works came to be in the space. And when you ask the question, what is good healthcare and what is that, um, what is that personified? It certainly is, you know, that situation where you can once again, you meaning, meaning any, any American can once again count on having a seasoned personal physician that is more or less in charge of their care. And not that that's, the only person they'll get their care from, but it sure helps to have an expert in your back pocket. You have a quarterback on your team. You do. With a medical degree. You do. Now, I never forget uh, when we're walking out of the hospital after our mom saved our grandmother's life, I turned to her and said, Mom, when you're not here anymore and I get sick, someday my family gets sick, what am I supposed to do? And she's a very professional woman. She turned to me and she said, Chris, I recommend not getting sick. <laughs> I remember that. And that yeah. one struck home with me. That one struck home. We said, all right, we need to figure this thing out and we need to figure it out quickly. Luckily for us, uh, we found direct primary care and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole swath of enterprising physicians out there looking to build a grassroots movement. And uh, we're fortunate enough to work with a lot of them and we salute them They're all over the country and hopefully... We'll get them a lot uh, listening to us here and all the fun stuff we're going to be chatting about on this podcast. Um, but our hats all go off to them, and, and they're starting their practices the best the way uh, they know how. Some of them do it themselves. We help out a lot of them. Um, but more physicians going that route and then more patients who are experiencing the healthcare system, those are the biggest converts. Those are the people knocking on the door saying, let me join your practice. I've, I've, I've been a patient before. I've been abandoned in this healthcare system. Help me. I want to join a direct primary care practice. Where can I find it? How do I find these resources? And we say, look, we'll put you in the right spot. Here we are. It's growing. It has a long, long way to go, but it is growing, and that's exciting. That's an exciting space to be in. It's exciting, and it's fun to see how introducing alternatives like this really starts to catch wind and catch fire. I mean, people are so hungry. I can't imagine another industry where it's so people are so limited in in their choices in what they can what they have in the different different ways they can they can package and and purchase a service and and then there's healthcare where uh, i mean just in the last uh, decade <laughs> you know they, they were market they're not using the market forces there were policymakers trying to force 350 million people into a bronze silver gold three-way choice. Impossible. This country is far too vast and and patients have so many individualized needs that that was destined to fail. And today it's fun to see people respond on both sides of the the healthcare delivery interaction, right? Both the physician side and the patient side. It's great to see people look at this and say, this is an exciting alternative and uh, this is giving me what I think healthcare should be delivering to me. And so they embrace that. And mm-hmm. there's still a, a lot of a ground to cover. The, um, there are certainly countervailing forces still that are pushing the opposite direction, 
right? Still pushing towards that gold, silver, bronze trichotomy. Uh, and everybody pick one of three. A one-size-fits-all. A one-size-fits-all type model. Exactly right. And But we like to say that there is a, a Newtonian reaction to every action, and there is backlash, like certainly that. among physicians. I think a growing backlash among consumers saying, don't limit my options. No, 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 no. That's not the way this country works. All right? And and, and to help foster those, those green shoots of innovation that sprung up uh, very organically and to see them continue to spread across the country. That's what Freedom Health Works is all about, and that's what's been fun uh, working with you, Chris, on this project so far. I agree. And that's the whole premise of Healthcare Americana. We're returning to the days where a doctor can come over, have a, have a cup of coffee with you, and you're able to have a full-on conversation with your own trusted medical professional. Without a copay. Without a copay. Without a deductible. Without a premium. Without... <laughs> A slew of, again, buzzwords that nobody knows what that stuff means anyways. Without him telling you, I'm not sure what this cup of coffee cost you, but I'll check with your insurance company and send you a bill in six weeks. (laughs) Instead, I'm just going to say, hey, can I give you a couple of chickens and an egg and we'll call it even. How about that? (laughs) Well, that leads us uh, into more of what to expect from Healthcare Americana. Um, We're going to be talking to physicians. Uh, We're going to be talking to people who have used direct primary care before. We're going to be talking to anybody who has a story to tell and something that happened to them or an experience that they had that wasn't possible in the traditional status quo type of a system, though you and I had highlighted here and just the, the headaches that go with it. Um, and those are stories that I'm, I'm excited to tell. Um, we talk about a lot of that um, throughout our average day uh, without the people, w- with the people that we come in contact with. But to be able to get that out to the world and say, look, this is a reality. Better care, better options. This is, this is what's happening now. This is the fastest growing movement in medicine that nobody's even talking about. They're starting to, though. That's the journey. That's Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. And stay tuned for more from our podcast. We'll have awesome guests like Adam. We'll have a lot of doctors on here. But uh, subscribe and a lot of exciting things to come your way. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Americana. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Google Play. And tell your friends to download and listen to all Healthcare Americana shows at FreedomHealthWorks.com. 